0: Scoundrels to the Roll to Live podcast. Welcome to the Black Swamp, where we're gonna take this time to talk about Dungeons and Dragons and how that applies to Dungeons and Dragons and role playing in general, but Hi. mostly Dungeons and Dragons. Hi, everybody. Sup. Sup. <laughs> All right. So, S, we'll start this off with uh, since this is our introduction episode, start off with our introductions to. Role-playing.
1: Matt? Oh, my name is Matt. I'm a lifelong gamer. Always kind of played uh, RPGs, got into MMOs such as Star Wars Galaxies and World of Warcraft. Always wanted to get into tabletop RPGs. and Figured the only way that was going to happen was to take over as a DM and hopefully find some people. And got lucky.
0: You did get lucky. I did get lucky. <laughs> um, my background kind of overlaps with Lynn's uh i did a little bit of role-playing in middle school or high school i don't remember exactly which one it was but one of my friends then was at a bookstore and glanced through one of the dungeons and dragons books i don't know exactly because i wasn't with him and i forget what he said (laughs) but he kind of glanced through it and got a general idea of the game and brought those ideas home and Wrote some stuff up. It was really interesting. We had no access to dice or anything because the internet wasn't really the internet then. And nobody around here sells dice. Well, sold dice at the time. We've got one store now. Um, but he, he brought that home and wrote up a campaign. It was pretty crazy and wild and we just kind of rolled off of whatever he said. Made decisions. Um, played that for... A couple months pretty consistently, almost every day. Started running a more fantasy-driven campaign, but we didn't get very far with that before. We just kind of stopped. Um, uh, maintained a, a vague interest in it from there until shortly after I met Lynn, after our first kid was born, we Dad managed... some 4E. Yeah, we managed to acquire some 4E books and played a couple of sessions, but didn't really have the time. Life fell apart very quickly in a lot of ways, and we weren't able to do anything consistent, and when you've only got two people it kind of sucks the fun out of the game. (laughs) It definitely uh, makes it difficult. So, and then a couple years ago Lynn was looking into it and found the 5E stuff, and looked into it and saw how easy it was for the kids, and we started playing, which brings us around to Lynn.
2: Well, I started playing 3.5e e in high school when my uncle gave me this shoebox full of just his old metal minis. And I went out and bought the starter box, and I played that for about five years, like every weekend.
0: Lucky. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Got really into building terrain for a while, filled up my dad's basement, he was very unhappy about that. But then I had to stop for a while after high school, for various reasons, and then, as Bran said, we started with the kids. Oh no, I guess I did play for a little while after high school, before the apartment burned down. More of just, just, no terrain or anything, just character sheets and theater of the mind and lots of drinking.
0: Mostly
1: drinking. Mostly drinking. That definitely makes it more fun. Can.
2: So that was more of just a ridiculous thing. We didn't use dice then either. We just kind of role played it out and drank.
0: Did you get to be a Super Saiyan demon with spawn laced bubble gum crisis armor also?
2: No, I was just, just a rogue. I was always a rogue.
0: So that's, that's how Ryan's campaign went. Nice. That's, it was interesting. It was fun. Didn't care a whole lot about most of that stuff, but.
2: Then we got into the Five E when it came out, which I am super excited about because I fucking love it.
0: It certainly seems to be up there in popularity, at least amongst the older players, as Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, because that game, that version, is still relevant. And.
2: I, I am glad for 5e, because I didn't like 4e at all, and there's just way too many books to re-buy for 3.5.
1: Looking back, I'm glad I started with 5e. It looks so much more simple.
0: It would have been a lot more complicated Ooh. back It then. is a
2: lot more user-friendly.
0: That's something I think you know, definitely drove things. I think there is a move to be as complicated as possible. Because, I, I mean, that's kind of how nerds are, so... but. D&D expanded out beyond just straight nerds, and a lot of other people are playing it. More of the geeky people who just like to tell a story and have fun. And that's definitely what 5E is directed at, is getting together, telling a co- collaborative story, and just having a good time. No I like matter. how they're more open with
1: it now, too, and it's it's not so much, these are our rules, you have to stick with that. It seems like it's more easy to go homebrew or expand out. They're more behind it than they used to be.
0: Yeah.
2: There is a much larger base for sharing homebrew, which I like. Yes. I make up my own stuff, but I enjoy using other okay, people's like, homebrew too.
0: Like the guys over at Advanced, or not Advanced, uh, Absolute Tabletop, are not building their own system, but building their own world Skinning it off of 5e, where that's you know the foundation of everything. They've manipulated the rules and changed a few things. I'm really excited to. I, I'm technically part of the playtest, but I don't have the time personally to commit to developing anything for it, even even character wise, just because there's so many other things going on right now to get. Our brand launched and get it going. I don't have time to commit to that, but once that officially comes out and they're selling it, I would like to get involved with it because Star Wars, not Star Wars, playing by 5e rules, which is and and a lot of the mechanics that they seem to be working with are really fun. They made it really easy for me
1: to convert over to a superhero one to run with my wife and kids. Yeah, and on our own time.
2: Night. Nice have an easy time making, you know, monsters for the kids' games that they're familiar with, like Dementors from Harry Potter. Totally gonna write yeah. Chogdor into one of
0: mine. <laughs> 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 so yeah, that's that's our backgrounds with gaming and how we got into this. Would've been nice to have more opportunity coming through things, but it is what it is, and we're here now. I suppose we should talk about the things that are relevant now. Um, part of the purpose of this podcast, the Black Swamp Inn, The idea is, you know, we're sitting around a table at the inn, just fully swaggling along and...
2: Drinking beers, eating muffins.
0: Drinking beers, eating muffins, and talking about our adventures. But Matt's definitely going to be headlining this one, uh, talking about DMing from a new perspective. Because they're... At least as far as the stuff that I watch, I haven't seen a whole lot of that. It's mostly people who address being a new DM, but have a veteran experience with it. So... I feel there's a little bit of disconnect there.
1: Yeah, and I think my uh, my first biggest hurdle was uh, a
0: little bit of fear.
1: I was a little bit of an introvert, and this is a very social game. It was uh, yeah. it was a big change going into the, the realm of being uncomfortable. So
0: it's, it's one of the things that makes this game so relevant nowadays is, you know, its ability to help people overcome a lot of that stuff. Yeah, as, as far as being a gamer, you know, being... On the other
1: side of a headset it wasn't as bad But when there's other people sitting at the table staring at you Going, hey, entertain
0: me yeah, It was a, <laughs> it was a bit of a shock Yeah, um, and I'll throw some stuff in here too As we get a little bit more caught up with this So where we actually are in our gameplay Because I do DM a little bit But Matt's the main DM for our little group I, I, I DM every now and again to give him a little bit of a break So that way he can have fun playing too And yeah. see what the other side of the screen is like <laughs> Definitely appreciate it. It is nice to have a little less stress when you get to play, but uh, the biggest thing I've noticed
1: and it's helped me the most is just to remember everybody's there to have fun, and the, most people aren't going
0: to be too critical of the DM. They're just there to have a good time, just like you are. So, And this is something I'm going to emphasize a lot, and starting now, is it doesn't matter if you don't know what you're doing, because the number one rule of D&D is neither do the players.
1: Fake it till you make it. That was my philosophy when I started. So yeah, let's talk about
0: talk about your first game that you ran, Matt. Um, First game was uh, was Chapter 2 of Storm Kings. Or were you we bringing up that one shot that we did? No, that little one shot to bring us into.
1: Okay, that little uh, one shot that I basically homebrewed the entire thing. It uh, Being homebrewed was definitely more scary than uh, having a module to look at, but it was almost more comfortable because it was mine. I guess.
0: Yeah, and you definitely seemed a little bit more comfortable there too. I don't know if it's because you prepped it and then we played right away. Yeah,
1: yeah. there wasn't a big break in between an issue with players not showing up. We'll we'll talk about that later (laughs) when we get
0: to Storm Kings but you know, there's a, a great distance between when you prepped and when we actually got to sit down and play. Yeah, that one I had prepped the day before and was pretty excited and ready to roll with it
1: but I think everything went pretty good. It wasn't story heavy so I didn't have a lot of role-playing that I had to do from a DM perspective, but I had some fun puzzles that I was really excited about everybody getting into. I, I really liked that Lever puzzle. It yeah. was clever. The, the, lever, <laughs> the Lever puzzle was probably my the, favorite. The fake chat. <laughs> it was fun watching everybody panic while I just counted down from 10 <laughs> over and over again. Yeah, it was It was really cool to see everybody's reaction and what they tried to do over thinking on how to get rid of such a simple puzzle. The I guess I should explain the puzzle. The whole thing was there's a lever and a countdown, and when the countdown's over, the door opens as long as the lever doesn't get pulled, but that's not something easy to just let happen, so everybody panic.
0: Yeah, your usual trap that we're taught through movies and other video games and other media is that if there's a lever and things are clicking, something's going to happen, and it's usually not very good. And little
1: did I know our mold earth obsessed druid over here was a good burn on her before I even knew she was obsessed with that.
2: <laughs> like thinking outside the box.
1: <laughs> I didn't even know that was an option as druids when we started that campaign. That was that it's was totally uh, improv by me. I was freaking out a little evil. bit.
0: But. Yeah, so you learned very quickly mm-hmm. in that game uh, how important it is to be able to think on your feet. Yeah. Because half of what I had prepped kind of got thrown out the window real quick. Yeah, and I, I think one of the other challenges with that game that didn't necessarily bog it down, but disrupted the actual role-playing aspect was having a brand spanking new player who, you know, we had to tutor through it. Well, and the, the other one pretty, was pretty damn close to brand new too, who's, so... Well, then he was a little bit disruptive with all the equipment he had brought that he kept having to fight with. If <laughs> I yeah. learned anything with that uh, first session of Storm Kings that we did,
1: the uh, electronics isn't always a good thing to have at a table. No. Don't rely on it.
2: Yeah, outside of roll 20, I'm a pencil and paper purist.
0: Not only that, but... Well, except
2: for my calculator, but that's just because I'm And stupid. music.
0: <laughs> and music, just because it's simpler. But, you know, even controlling people having that stuff at the table, you know, if you're looking at your phone you're not involved in the game necessarily even if you're paying attention and, and you make quick decision when it's your turn you now you're not paying attention to the story you're not being involved in the story and you're not able to roleplay properly but um, you know I know I tried to disrupt you I did this to Lynn in one of our earlier games too which is actually end- how I ended up with our what we're calling a Hamaki dragon <laughs> um, have a dragonborn in our Storm Kings, which we tied this into. Um, and a dragon came up later on, and I'm like, hey, talk to it! <laughs> trying to force a little, trying to encourage, not force, trying to encourage the new player to get more involved in the game and understand what's going on. So yeah, tried to have the dragonborn, talk to the dragon, and see if we could find an alternate way of dealing with this battle.
1: That was one thing I definitely was not prepared for at all. But luckily, our druid was real quick to freeze that dragon and make him angry. Which did you do that to help
0: out, or? I think mean, that was just reaction. It was reaction. See it, kill it. It brings up an interesting <laughs> point, though. Not only is it important for the DM to be able to improv, but you know, we're right here. It's it's not players versus DM in, in Dungeons and Dragons. It's a collaborative environment to tell a story. And I've gotten to the point that
1: I'm not necessarily that the big bad has to die. There are other ways that can still be a lot of fun if done correctly.
2: Some of the random out-of-the-box things that you don't expect to happen are what makes for the best storytelling, the better parts of the game.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, I find. You know, um, Matt Colville on his channel talked about, in one of his videos, talked about how Good Matt Mercer, or maybe it was on Dragon Talk, I think it was on Dragon Talk, where he's talking about um, Matt Mercer's ability to, and and him knowing his players, and his ability to recognize when certain players are getting bored with the long, in-depth role-playing that happens with some of the other players, and being able to, like, even before the player realizes how bored they're getting, he's like, oh, I need to do something to get this other person involved, and... I don't really hear anybody talking about, or I haven't really noticed anybody talk about that from the player's perspective, of also being able to recognize if your DM's having trouble with something, you could take an action to do something to redirect things and help him out to make it a little bit easier for him to, for for your DM to cope with whatever's going on, like, you know, freezing the ice, even though it was purely accidental, it removed a lot of that stress for you, so that way you were free to do what you intended to do in the first place. Well, I mean, the, the DM is just a guide. The players really
1: are what control the story and their decisions. The players, they can have a very adverse effect on uh, anything that the DM has prepped, which I think is what makes the game so much more fun and exciting. Because you could prep everything you could possibly dream of in one decision from a
0: player, and everything changes. Which is... Um... One podcast that we're going to address in the future, um, we're having some controversy if it's going to be a quick one or not, so... I don't think anything we do is quick, ever.
2: We're, we're not very quick, no.
0: <laughs> but, you know, prep prep's an important thing, and but at the same time, you don't want to get bogged down, bog yourself down with it. But like I said, that's a conversation for another episode. Um, Is there anything else to that first one? Not
1: really. I mean, for having two brand new players and pretty much brand new DM, I think it went decent. I think it went pretty good. Couldn't ask for much better in that situation, I suppose.
0: No, it was definitely a very fun game. Um, Didn't get bogged down with a bunch of ridiculousness like some of the games that I've run with people, but (laughs) my games aren't exactly intended to be serious. They're just a reprieve from our normal gaming. I do someday want to do an entire homebrew
1: campaign. but
2: That's what I'm doing. It's a lot different than doing a pre-made one. Oh, yeah. so I've done one of those too, converted from 4E, the Dragon Magazine, Dungeon Magazine.
0: Yeah, most of my games, and we tried to record it, but we forgot to charge all the batteries. <laughs> so we didn't get, didn't get very far with that one, but I'm running um, off the little adventures that Wayne and Kevin are making for the Dungeon Crate boxes, which are something we talk about in our unboxing videos, but I think they uh, I think they got it right. It helps make their boxes relevant and makes it fun. It's like a little adventure in each box now, and that's alright. It's alright by my book. <laughs> should we move on to Storm Kings? We should move on to Storm Kings. Okay. Railroad this thing. <laughs> well, this podcast should be a little railroaded, <laughs> Gotta give the illusion of choice. <laughs> isn't that what D&D is?
2: This isn't a choose-your-own-adventure. I'm Storm Kings.
1: I think Storm Kings is a really good story, but it's much harder to DM than some of the other modules I think I've done so far. I think, D- I think uh, Storm Kings is is definitely... I don't know what the word is that I'm trying to think of because I didn't sleep last well, night, I think... but...
0: Um. <clears throat> I think a lot of the challenge you faced with that first chapter or two with Storm Kings was the fact that, and it's been out there for a while, but there's still a lot of people who haven't played yet, so spoiler alerts if you haven't played yet. The first, <clears throat> you start off with this big, huge encounter. Well, where... that's
1: actually chapter two. We, did, we, we skipped chapter one, because I wasn't planning on uh, using my little homemade one-shot as our our beginning, but
0: yeah, well, that and Storm King's designed to run off the trail end of the Fanduver. Starter Kid adventure, the Last Minds of Fandover. But I, I think that that gives a little bit of a an unfair observation of it because words are eluding me. Um, but we we get what I'm trying to say here now, right? <laughs> that starting off this big, huge encounter where, I mean, there's, what, 30, 30 monsters yeah, to 30 fight? <laughs> there's Something a whole like army that. that
1: attacks the town, and then every player gets an NPC to boot, so it's just that much more to track.
0: Yeah, so, and <clears> then <throat> there's ways to overcome that, and, and your lack of preparation due to the fact that you prepped, and then we kept having to put it off because... We couldn't schedule things properly. Didn't help much either. Yeah. Um. My
1: excitement kind of drug on after, because I mean, it was like three, four weeks that I sat around waiting with everything prepped to go, and I should have went back and kind of redone some of it, or at least
0: refreshed myself before
1: the meeting. But in my mind, yeah. I was like, I prepped for this already.
0: We're good. So I think in that regard, and we haven't done anything <laughs> with it since. So I think in that regard, it gives a a little bit of an unfair. Observation: A little unfair review to say that it's you know more challenging or whatever. True, and I also had something. I was going to use an electronic
1: tracker for the uh, whole initiative that failed due to technical difficulties, and then I was kind of in the wind on yeah, that. <laughs> did that app get shut
0: down or something? No, it just, or, for whatever reason it, it wasn't working froze. on that computer. Yeah, <clears throat> that's right. And which brings an interesting point: you can, you know. If you have people who are capable, you can have them help track, too. So that way it's not all on you. Yeah. And that's one way to keep a player that's kind of bored into it. Or somebody who gets easily distracted. (laughs) But anyways, back into it. Um, Talked about a couple of the challenges that we faced with that. What were some of the other things that you noticed trying to run Storm Kings for the first time? Um, Well, I had lots of ideas of how I wanted everything to go, but... Pretty
1: much none of that went according to plan due to, I mean, either technical difficulties or just so long in between the prep, but uh, we were all still pretty inexperienced, too.
0: So yeah. That so, was, that was a big factor. We had also lost a player, too, so not only was I running my character, I decided to take up a second character and had two, three NPCs that yeah. I was running, yeah. <laughs> and it got, it did definitely get very confusing.
2: It got out of hand fast.
1: There there was a a severe lack of planning. Like, I I probably should have given everybody the notion that you were going to have an NPC or two to run and given you guys the information a while before we played so you could have understood the bond between the character
0: and an NPC before And you could have, too, once (coughs) we finally had a set schedule down and were capable of getting that rolling. Could've so far, information out of people.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was a huge disaster, but I learned a lot from it, so it really wasn't a bad thing in my opinion.
0: As long as you learn from something, it's alright. Another thing you could have considered there, too, was running some of the, uh, <clears throat> the minion-type characters, because they weren't actually minions, because they had full HP and everything, mm-hmm. um, or their, their full normal HP, but you could have run them as like groups instead of individually. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, once things got going, a lot of them went down really quick. Well, as far as the
1: module explained me to play it, it really wanted the players to play as an NPC as well to create somewhat of a bond to try and keep the NPCs from going out and getting killed. Yeah. So, there was a lot of issue... And I should have just let it go and everybody had one NPC and left the other ones out of the battle entirely because I didn't need to bring them all in. But since we were down a player, I was concerned that that battle, as huge as it was, was going to be too much. And I definitely had no experience ever dealing with a battle that large. And the second I saw that huge encounter, I thought, oh man, there's no way they're going to get through this easily. I need to take it easy on my players to make it fun for them and not just wipe them all out first Sit down in this campaign, so I, I kind of went too far the other direction trying to keep it easy. Yeah. Yeah. And so I mean that's something that everybody's gonna face with. You're either gonna be too easy or you're gonna kill everybody. There's it's hard to find that that middle ground there. Yeah. Some more one shots I think would have would have really helped because that was my second ever at a table get together playing D and D, and there was a lot of things they encountered that I had not even dreamed of coming up, so. I think it would help, honestly, if we started over with chapter one and worked through the way it was supposed to be, or even go from Lost Mine into it, like it's yeah. supposed to, instead of that
0: homebrew, and I have a little bit more experience with what the hell's going on this time, so. That would be interesting, because I've opted not to run Lost Mine at Fandover in my own at home with Lynn and the kids, so. Because of a multitude of reasons. It's just easier for me to run a bunch of little one shots that might connect together than um yeah hey, you don't
2: have time to run stuff at home because you gotta build me my super dungeon that i'm running
1: yeah <laughs> well I, I think a lot of where we really screwed up was i made this one shot with the intent of of rogue wanting all of your characters the whole time
0: i was building like everybody going die you know <laughs> i was i was
1: like i was murder murder hobo all the way would have.
0: You know equally been fun but then i threw that idea out there to you to you know if you wanted to use it as an opportunity to bring us together and um have us start the storm kings well when you when you sidetracked me with that idea i was literally
1: typing the kill everybody scenario on my computer (laughs) and i look at my phone i'm like Man, that's a good idea. I should go with that instead. Delete, 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 delete. <laughs> now what am I gonna
0: do? So that's where we are with Storm Kings. I don't know if we're gonna get too much further with that. Definitely not tomorrow. for a while, at least. It's definitely on hiatus. Like I said maybe we'll pick some people up this weekend at the Mini-Con that we're, that's being hosted at the mall here. So what do we got next on the docket, Matt? Um, would be our uh, Roll20 games, starting with the Tales of the Awning Portal. Yeah, what are you running with that? We
1: uh, we started a campaign that I kind of threw together since Tales of the Awning Portal is really just a series of one shots. Yeah. Um, it was really my first experience on Roll20. Thanks to uh, a couple test games we ran, I kind of halfway knew what I was doing there. So far, I think that one's been pretty fun. We, we've had the same issue as getting together in real life. We've been plagued with character drops out, dropouts. Three people are, are real consistent at showing up every Wednesday, but. That that last slot, we just can't seem to keep full.
0: Yeah, and, you know, if you're in the middle of a dungeon, that's a difficult thing to explain. You know, as a... Me, personally, if I were running that game, and, alright, you're... have decided to not show up, I'm gonna boot you. Mm -hmm. I'd do, uh, Force Grey, will, we taunt, and, you know, take him over as an NPC, have him set off a trap, and Die that way or something. Yeah. Just you know, story-wise to explain it away.
2: And we've just kind of been ignoring it. They just disappear.
0: Yeah, the first guy got scared and ran away because it was too
1: much for him. And as he was as he was hightailing it out of there, he ran into the new guy and gave them and I you know basically asked why are you running away. I briefly explained it, I guess. Why are you running? And he's like, well, there's crazy stuff going on in there. So he came in to check it out, and he was a previous DM that he sent in the application. So I left it open for him as to why you came in, and the players were like, well, how about we find him? So, I mean, it kind of turned into that. As they were exploring the dungeon, hey, here's this other guy that we just
0: rescued and he's going to join our our team and get the hell out of here so and to uh, talk about the Friday game i know you don't you know whatever we're we're pretty good where we are with the players we have we've got two consistent games out of them i don't think anybody's going to bail they both seem like they're enjoying it so far and and pretty invested yeah but you know if you wanted to dump that fifth spot and bring somebody else in you might hold it off you know a game or two or you, you know there, there's plenty of opportunity for us right now if you wanted to, to bring him in. Yeah. Which is why I asked you last night. Mm. Just, you know, just to see. I didn't want to deal with the overwhelming uh, amount
1: of applications I got, because being TOA, everybody is really excited being new. Yeah. So that first bit of uh, applications I got was pretty overwhelming to go through, and I was like, I don't know if I want to deal with that right now, so. <laughs> you need a secretary. Yeah, I try to go with a first come first serve, but still keep it where it's relevant to the party. Like I don't want everybody to be casters or everybody be tanks or healers. You know, I try to. If you're if you're the first guy in and you're like, hey, I really want to play a tank and we don't need a tank, I might message you and be like, are you willing to play something else? If not, I'm going with the next guy. Yeah. So I, I, it's the only way I can honestly think to keep it fair.
0: Yeah, I mean, everybody's got their own standards, you know, some people are looking for very specific things. You know, especially more experienced DMs who, you know, know how to weed through the applications to find people who are going to be consistent. Or, you know, and some of the people who do regularly post things online or, you know, on their YouTube channels or whatever, they, uh, it's just with their friends, you know. They do it whenever they can, but they know they're going to be there and things are gonna work out pretty well. Definitely uh, playing with
1: random people that I've never met was something that took a little bit to overcome. It wasn't something I was comfortable with and I've gotten better at putting myself in more uncomfortable situations, which I think is is good as a DM. If you're not uncomfortable, it's probably not going the way it should. Like, I, th- yeah. I think you shouldn't have complete control over everything as a DM. You need that that level of fear and change to happen and
0: keep you on your toes. I think that's um, what lets you know that the players are having a good time. Mm-hmm. Because they're involved and they're keeping you on your toes, so you've got to try to rethink things to keep them on their toes. and mm-hmm. Kind of constantly going back and forth and... And I mean
1: because of that situation has has taught me a lot as a DM too to just kind of not everything needs to be under my control. Sometimes I can let players take over and do their thing and
0: yeah, make up make it up from there. But more about this Wednesday game cuz I'm not I'm not involved in that game. That's yours and Lynn's and those other players. I'm usually getting ready for work and walking out the doors. You're really getting going. <laughs> I, th- I think they've been going good. They're they're
1: luckily everything is good and lighthearted. Nobody's real.
2: Yeah, stickler. I think that is with the Wednesday thing. Not that it's a bad thing. It's just a playstyle difference. Why we keep losing this other player because we are a little more fast and loose with the sticking to the rules in our Wednesday game.
1: Which I'm trying to keep keep the players' input as real relevant to the story. Like I said, with that, our bringing in our our second player that has currently dropped was at first I was going to let him kind of stumble in on the party and have that interaction themselves and the party kind of decided we should just find him. So I went that route. I'm trying to trying to leave things a little more open-ended for everybody but the thing with Yawning Portal I think that's helped me out a lot is it's not a set module so I have to link everything together and it's causing me to homebrew a little bit on top of what's currently there, and that has gotten me more engaged, which I think in turn gets the players a little bit more engaged.
2: I think it's it's a, an agreeance on what you're looking for between all the players involved and the DM, because on our Wednesday game, it is more lax, and we don't stick hard to the rules. And the three of us that continually show up, we kind of all agree that that's okay.
0: Yeah, and as long as and you that have that agreement. And that fourth person
2: who just, you know... Because I think with this last player who dropped out was looking for a little more... was getting a little frustrated with the, the lax rules. Yeah. You might well, there was, you need there was There
1: was some up, like, bad encounters in the beginning between him and, and a couple other players where they're almost... The, uh, the interaction between the players was almost an interaction between the people themselves where I don't think they were going to get along honestly, and I think that was a lot of it I think he was just like, well, I don't feel welcome with um, these players And
0: Are you trying to bring in another player again? Yes um, I, I would definitely put that in your description when you put it out there to look for another player that, you know, this game is a, is a little bit loose with the rules it's just, for whatever reason that's the play style that's happened here so you have to be accepting of that, and pay attention to the personality of your players. Being that they're strangers, mm-hmm. um, to talk about the Friday game just a little bit here. That was one of my reservations coming into Roll Twenty was I like to make jokes that are relevant to um, culture, politically and socially, and you know, you never know if movies. You're gonna, if you're gonna and,
1: accidentally offend.
0: Yeah, and you know just. Understanding what people are there and I don't think we're gonna have a problem with that at all with these two guys We're playing with on Friday. No, they seem pretty good um, with that but... but I definitely see an opportunity with that one of your players the few things that I've been told about them That it it could lead to some problems. Mm-hmm. So, you know Put that in there, you know, I've, I've got these kinds of players You yeah, know, because... so you think you might have a conflict there You either need to be able to control it yourself or just don't apply well,
1: it was very emphasized that this game
0: was from a new
1: DM who really had no experience on Roll20. It was really, I mean, I put it in there, this is my first campaign, I'm going to make a lot of mistakes, and everybody that I have brought into the game I have messaged prior to and said, hey, we're probably going to be loose with the rules, I don't know what I'm doing, is that okay? Before I think should I should also maybe
2: explain them. a little bit of yeah. the character... Involve because some like I don't I don't mind either way strict rules not strict rules I just want to play mm-hmm. I don't care but some people they want to know exactly what they're getting into because so they don't want to play loose rules or
1: yeah and and I really house I, rules or whatever I think rules was part of it but I think a lot of what really ruined it for him it was that that initial encounter with the players like there was there was a lot of disagreement just
0: in player characters right off the bat that it was kind of. <laughs>
2: So I know
0: he mentioned the rules a lot. Yeah. Lynn, you talking to me about the Wednesday game, um, I know you've had to adapt your character from what your original intention was. So that's something that comes into play too, is, is happening to adapt from what your original intention was. Is just in general, even if you're sitting at a table with people, you might have this really cool idea of what you want to do with your character and you've got these really cool role-playing experiences and I'll talk about mine where it's relevant with the Friday game when we get to that. But when you actually sit down and start interacting with people...
2: You find that it doesn't work, and that's fine. You adapt a little bit. Yeah. Because it, it's it's not my game, it's our game. We're playing it all together. And so not every
1: game is going to work for every person, regardless. Yeah. There's There's something you're not
2: going to like.
1: Yeah. Guaranteed.
2: Although part of my character was mostly just played on my <laughs> own personality and my social anxiety to help me deal with that. To not have to be <laughs> as active if I didn't need to.
0: Yeah. You're running Sun the Citadel, right? Yes. Right now. I was a little interested to run that one myself. There's there's a lot of interesting places to go in in the Sun the Citadel as a storytelling element, um, with the internal conflict of the story that's already been built and then you add your own external elements with the players and anything else that you wanna add as a DM. But that's an important thing to remember too, that you know, you might be running with a uh, Produced module, but you know, your story you can manipulate it and tell whatever story you want to tell.
1: Alright, on to Friday's game where we are
0: running Tomb of Annihilation with a couple other people. Yeah, we got some different people. Lens in on that one. I'm able to play on this one because it's at night and I usually end up off early enough on Fridays. But yeah, it's been fun. and You know, me, my first time playing on Roll20. Like actually playing with Roll20 and not just messing around and being stupid to try to figure out how to play it. And and figuring out our vocal and our audio and if we're doing video or not. I I, I didn't know what to expect. I was really excited for it. But I can tell you there's definitely some things that make Roll20 interesting especially if you're not doing video. So that first game was supposed to be more intended as a Session Zero where we just kind of got together and BSed around and it did not go that way, did it Matt?
1: Nope, it did not go that way at all. But I kind of don't realize it. I mean I don't think that was a bad thing because this was my third start of a campaign and at this point I was just kind of like, I'm going to screw everything up so I'm just going to roll with it. Yeah. And, and I kind of just threw all the fear and issues that i had out of the window and i think that resulted in being more fun for me because i wasn't so bogged down with this isn't going to go well this is going to be a nightmare and it was just kind of like well either they hate it and they're going to bail or they're going to like it and we're going to have fun so
0: yeah I mean, it's tomb of annihilation and rule 20 there's no lack of players we haven't you haven't had any trouble finding finding players so far so if we needed to start it over, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Nobody would be. I'd probably still play the same character. I wouldn't change anything myself. We would just have to find a couple other people. Yeah. But I think um, having the right group is, is an important thing too. Because while well, at first I did, I was very annoyed by this. Uh, the other two guys did not leave much room for anybody else to get much word in. I think a lot of that was just
1: awkwardness of being a new. New round, new people that they didn't know. And I imagine it's a little difficult for them because they picked on quick that we all knew each other personally. Yeah. And they (laughs) were the outcasts, so I think that was a little bit of an issue for them.
2: We do make it awkward for people.
0: (laughs) But uh, I think a lot of that was just excitement to be able to play. I don't know how long it's been since they had played games or anything or what their backgrounds are. You would know that. Yeah, they both seem pretty experienced and, and...
1: with Tomb of Annihilation being the brand new module, they were they were really hyped for it, and I, I'm sure there was a lot of a lot of excitement around that.
0: Yeah, um, to me with uh, the one guy, he definitely seemed really excited to just be playing. He didn't, whatever, he's just really excited to be playing. Because, um, and and this goes back to what we said before about adapting. I had this idea of what I wanted to do with my character, you know, and I started playing off that a little bit. I got a little bit of it in. Um, and hopefully the next session we can bring it around back. Um, like to have some of that story telling element, but our game, that, this game isn't necessarily going that way. We're just kind of playing a game, um, which is fine, that's, that's what it is. Um, um, it seems like this,
1: this module kind of has a rough start to it as far as the story goes. They don't give you a lot of information to run off of, it's
2: well, kind even, of more
1: exploring on your own. Even
2: with that, versus Wednesday, like how our party all knows each other. We had trouble with that on our Wednesday game, but the Friday one it was just like that. We just had a backstory, in Holly all knew it. it. Just fell into place.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we did our introductions with our characters, where we were coming from. Uh, I don't remember who decided, but you and Flynn, Rick yeah, you know, have a background, from. and I <laughs> <imagine> <laughs> we, you had we had just rolled with it, whatever. But it. you know, I had with the far traveler background, I had this. I'm, I really wanted to play off of this whole idea of my recognizing my gods as odd to people, mm-hmm. and I, I'm coming up with really interesting things that I wanted to do, but I just I never had an opportunity to get those in, and not being as familiar with Roll Twenty, you know, I couldn't do some of the stuff like Rick does with the emoting, you know, because when we landed in Chult, I was going to do this thing, whereas.
2: I showed you how, you're better
0: now. Yeah, I was grabbing the dirt, and then I'd look for a bug and I'd eat the bug, and it's, you know, a sacrifice some Something to do with paying homage to my gods and, and traveling to this new place. Um, but I'm going to try to bring some of that back in with the, the cleric aspect. Um, I've, I've got a really cool idea, and I think, you know, the first game, like you said, um, they kind of overpowered everything. And that forced me to be a little bit more reserved with my character. I was just accepted, all right, well, I'm not going to get a whole lot in. Maybe I'll just be a little bit more reserved. And then the second game that we ran last last night, it wasn't as bad. Yeah, There's see there was a lot, lot more group chemistry as opposed to those
1: two really pushing. I had, a, I had a list of player hooks for each background, and none of the backgrounds you guys picked except for Haro fit in that background <laughs> list that I had. So I was sitting here thinking, man, this is going to be tough if they all decide to fight me on how they come together. But I didn't even need it. You guys pretty much, like you yes. said, the background was figured and you guys it are just, walked in and boom. It just happened.
0: There's just a the natural so chemistry easy. here. And yeah. Honestly, yeah. I kind of wish these guys lived here because, like, you know, I think if we were actually sitting down with these guys, oh my God, this game would be oh so God. amazing. Yeah. I feel less <laughs> stupid too
2: because even on Roll20, I still do the somatic...
0: Yeah. things for all of my
2: spells which is, i feel less stupid on friday because he's at least there but i do it on wednesday too when i'm the only one in my house and i'm sitting here casting you know spells
1: i, I am definitely more comfortable as the dm on our friday game than the wednesday game because the wednesday one we have the the wild card in our party that i'm always i guess nervous because i'm like this is gonna blow up at some point but and Friday, it just seems like everybody's there to just have a good time. It's Friday night. Everybody's kind of letting off steam from the work week. and
0: Yeah, I don't even think it's that. I for me is because just... it's in
2: the evening so I can drink, which helps with my social anxiety. And I don't have to worry, oh, my God, is the school going to call to make me come get the kids
0: all of a sudden again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, you know, I don't, I don't even care. I don't get stressed out at work. It's work, whatever. I have no control. You know, I have only control over the things that I can do at work, so... But either, either way, that's kind of the, the standard relax, yeah. get stuff off your chest time. and It's the going into the weekend, so everybody's already kind of in party mode. Yeah. There's <laughs> definitely a lot of chemistry with that I, right I too, think there's just... just a little bit more... Everybody's pretty similar pretty personality-wise. Like I said earlier, I don't think there's an issue making a political joke with these guys. No matter where they stand, they're gonna think it's funny. Yeah. There's definitely some some fun to have there.
1: Yeah, and I think it just kind of is naturally going well. As a DM, I don't really have to put a lot of effort to make things work. They just
0: kind of go. I mean, for the most part. What all, what all did we have to say about the Friday game? It did feel a little bit railroady. Yeah, that first game, um, and I think that's because you weren't prepared for it, so you're just kind of trying to follow what, the, what was written down in the module because you you had nothing prepared at all. Yeah. So we we had a player drop too and it didn't show up and I thought there'd be
1: more more <laughs> character creation there. Ironically enough, we were prepared for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But he he's really new to this and I'm like, we're gonna have a hell of a time getting him up to par to start so I was like that that's gonna take out half the damn night right yeah. there. Yeah, so. you planned
2: on it being like mostly session zero and then So and then that everybody just...
0: Everybody was just kinda oh. sitting there like, Are we gonna do this or what? Had I you not... and I not done our characters beforehand, that would have slowed things down a little bit more. But we had prepped our characters before. We just had to type well, you didn't really type it in, but I had to type my character into roll 20. No, and I
2: type very little for my character in.
0: Looking at the game last night there's still a lot of things that I got to put in there. <laughs> but they're not necessarily important things, so it's not a big deal. Um, but yeah, it's, there, there were points where you didn't really know what to do. You just kind of went with whatever the story did, or you tried to push it in a direction to make it a little bit easier for you. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily a bad thing in that situation. Um, but I, I did try to jerk you around a little bit with the prince of the bazaar or whatever. I forget what he's called. But... Um, Merchant you, princes? Yeah. We were there visiting and it's one of those instances where I kind of wish I'd have been able to f- get a word in because I, I, I would have messed you up pretty good because you brought up the fact that he, he was a lore and history master. I'm like... There's no place where people generally stay away from because, you know, there's rumors of undead or it's, you know, whatever reason, you know, superstition or whatever is dictating that. People just generally don't go there.
2: Oh yeah, looking for local superstitions would have been good. I bet the DM would have been super prepared
0: for that. Oh yeah, you would have
1: totally caught me off guard and I would have been deer in the headlights, but... (laughs) The the module gives the DM a ton of rumors and it tells you to kind of throw a ton of information at the players, but it's up to them to discern what is true and what's not. But as a DM, it doesn't really have a clear way of saying this is what's true and this is what's not. So. I was kinda of in the same boat you guys were like, if I give them this information, is this something I'm going to be able to do later or is this just a big false rumor maybe, that maybe if you read
2: the whole book cover to cover you got figure it figured
1: out. Well, as far as the module goes, there isn't just an easy cover to cover way to read that. Like it's it's split up so spread out yeah. that you really gotta go in and start looking for certain things.
0: We don't have a copy of Tomb of Annihilation, so it's not like we could even go in and look at it. To see what it looks like to give some input here but...
2: That would be meta anyway.
0: I think you and I are pretty good at separating our characters from what we know.
2: I try to be and I think a lot of that comes from the fact that in our home games I have to play a character and DM because there's not enough of us playing with the kids.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm actually surprised at myself with this and playing Dungeons & Dragons that I didn't think I would be as good as at the role playing and Doing the storytelling, but it actually has become a very important part of the game for me. And yeah, um, I
2: enjoy the role playing. I have a harder time role playing through the combat actions. Which is well, something. Unless I'm doing spells, those I have a little bit easier with. But when I'm, you know, using, you know, like smacking things with my staff, I don't know how to role play that as
0: well. Yeah. Um. But it's it's something that I didn't think I would care about as much. Like so I just wanted to play whatever. It's fun. No matter what you're doing, Dungeons & Dragons can always be fun. Even if you're just sitting there going through the mechanics, playing essentially a board game. Yeah, Even even if you
1: decide that you're going to have a good time playing it, no matter how off it goes and how screwed up it gets, you're still going to find a way to make it Well,
0: and that's back to my point earlier where I did get annoyed in the first moments where I noticed these guys are controlling this game and I'm not able to do the things that I wanted to do. I could have been salty about it, and I could have ruined the game. But I made a conscious decision that, you know what, I'm here to play this game. I want to have fun. I can either let this affect me, or I can play along with it. And
2: yeah, speaking of things that you could, you know, get upset and salty about when they were all making fun of me. Whatever, just roll with it. Yeah. I don't mind derogatory nicknames. <laughs>
1: when when you told me you were a swamp dude, it just came out like I didn't even give it a thought. I was just like, boom, you're swamp ass. Yeah, thanks a lot, Matt. Yeah, you're
0: welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we've kind of gotten away from it. And a little bit, The yeah. second game, you know, last night's game, there's, you know, two or three, I think at most, maybe four total times that well, you were called Swamp Badge. It doesn't bother me. I'm
2: not going to get butt hurt
0: about it. It's all good no. fun. It is. It's it not is. like anybody's trying to so be malicious guy, about it.
2: He's
1: being malicious. It, it, it falls down to the whole point of me not being prepared, and I was like, well... There's a 90% chance that this whole thing is going to turn out to be a giant disaster. I'm not going to stop it. So, yeah. I'm going with it. <laughs> I think mean, it didn't get as bad as that
0: uh, one game that we were playing, that first one on Roll 20 with one of our other personal <laughs> friends, where it just. I, I could tell on that when you got a little bit annoyed because you're actually trying to figure it out and wanted to actually run yeah. something. Yeah. And that was about the point where I, I was trying to be serious too a little bit, and that was at the point where I was like, you know what, this game's derailed. Let's just roll with yeah. whatever the hell is happening. I have finally fun. hit that point too, and I was just like, <laughs> whatever, let's go.
1: And I, I think that was what I really needed to have happen um, in, in D big time because I know it's improved my Wednesday games a lot too. Just just that point of things are gonna go. You home. know what? You're not gonna stop it no matter how good of a DM you are. Things yeah. are going to
0: go wrong. And that's what differentiates a good DM from a better DM, is being able to just go, you know what? I'm going to wash my hands of this and just play the game. Yeah. I'm. I'm we're here to have a good time, and uh, I don't want to ruin that for anybody, and I don't want it to be ruined for me. Yeah,
2: this is where everybody wants to go. I guess it's where we're going.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which is apparently where this podcast is going. <laughs> no, back to the railroadie, I don't think it necessarily... Made it a bad game because everybody still had a lot of fun. I don't, I'm, I think I'm probably the only one that really noticed it.
2: Him pushing us to race dinosaurs because he didn't have anything else prepared. Yeah, I, did, you yeah, race I, to race dinosaurs. I didn't
0: push
1: I didn't push it. I brought it up, and you guys like instantly. Yeah, you guys was, ran with that. I just mentioned it. I did not push it. And I, I thought
2: I was doing you a favor. I thought you mentioned it because it's something you had prepared. I'm like, all right, let's do that because I, I knew you weren't prepared for it. I
1: figured point. he was gonna be like, screw that, and shut it down. And I was <laughs> like, I'm just gonna throw it out there, and if it if it lands, it lands. If not, I'll go with something else. And no, it,
0: like I. I'm, Dude, I was super buzzed that night, and I barely paid attention to what was going on. Anyways, to be completely honest, that was the night that I started playing Angry Birds. (laughs) Because I was like, these guys are racing dinosaurs, I'm not involved in this. and that that race Oh, what? Went, somebody said my... what the fuck
1: is going on? <laughs> that race went so horribly <sighs> pathetically wrong that it was well, not it, even funny. It was funny.
0: still entertaining though.
1: Yeah, but I mean I could have I could have spent a lot more time describing the laps and what was going on in the in the, in the race itself, but the like, way the book said Matt, was be like more
2: descriptive.
1: The, the it wanted 300 laps basically as far as the tallies went and I'm like there's no that point. is a ridiculous
0: amount yeah
1: i was like we're not doing this for six hours this one race this is dumb we're gonna make it a quick yeah. fun little thing and, and that's that and there you go and i mean i was trying to make it more I, interesting i thought but... the
2: rounds you did was a perfect amount more than that and i would have gotten bored yeah
1: yeah that was my thoughts too i was like this is I'm... gonna get boring real quick and especially
2: a at the point where because i have you know like uh, proficiency in animal handling. Yeah. Blowing you were
1: you were just me. murdering everybody in that and it, how many times can you be like oh they're going around the track and this person rolled like 12 more than the last one so it's neck and neck but it's really not because this person's killing everyone.
2: I've lapped you. Yeah yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> um. <laughs> it was going south quick so I was like we better just put an end on it before it gets too bad.
0: And that's something that had you had more time to prepare that I think it could be a really fun entertaining element to that game and I think that's why they put that in there. Because yeah, being more descriptive, getting more involved in the Road Rash style gameplay of it where you can battle each other while you're on these ginormous beasts back running down this track. Yeah. Well that wasn't something that was was really implied,
1: it was kind of like put in there in hopes that if the characters want to try and battle each other if there's a little animosity that's where they can get it out. but. There was, she was just leaving everybody in the dust, and the other two were like, "Well, we're losing, so we're just gonna keep rolling and keep losing." So I was like, "You guys can try and you know take her out and st- Mario Kart even, even, <laughs> even the odds a little bit." I, I like it. normally I wouldn't throw that in and kind of meta that, but I'm like. Do something to make it interesting. Help me out here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they
2: only get one in, and then, you know, they've rolled low, and I rolled super high, so I'm now out of range. Yeah,
1: I was supposed to keep it within, like, three tallies, and by the time I got them to do something, you were right at that threshold of being too far for them to attack. And... Yeah. Victory
2: is
0: mine. What else was happening with that first first
1: game? I like your notes. Uh, there was that shady deal with the Booker and the, uh, the Gladiator. It was kind of a...
0: Yeah, that one went awkwardly. That
1: was a lot of Haro's fault, too, though, because he was really trying
0: to role play it more than it really Where required, I think. Role playing hadn't really been established either. Yeah.
2: That was the first time he died, wasn't it?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I one-shotted him. It was kind of amazing.
0: And, and that was part of the whole them controlling things so because he's kind of, all right, we should do this. And everybody else was like, okay, well, we, we don't really have anything else that we're doing, so I guess we will. And I was totally prepared to go in there and just be like, alright, this guy let's <laughs> stab him in the chest. And it is just really awkward him trying to, you know, just get this guy to pay him. And were there even, I don't remember, were there even any persuasion or anything rolls?
1: No, it was, uh, he was basically just standing there trying to be like,
0: Look dude, give us the know. money, so we're on maybe... your side.
1: And I mean, if he would have, if he would have tried to play it more with the dice as opposed to just talking... It may not have gotten so bored and, you know, that you guys might have made it go a different way, but it was at the point where I was thinking this is going to get boring because nothing's progressing, so I'm just going to attack.
2: But the the second game's gotten a lot better. It was just working out the kinks of the role-playing and everything.
0: Well, I I think role-playing, at least for right now, is still mostly out of not a relevant piece of the game and I think a lot of that is evident in the fact that uh, the second game last night's game was very meta heavy Um, I I was trying to role play things out and these other two guys are let's challenge rating three and how do we do oh he's a lycanthrope and I'm like okay I don't know your guys' backgrounds but you know as far as my character I've never met a lycanthrope I have no idea what a lycanthrope is yeah so Yeah, that part could have went a little bit better and I wasn't
1: prepped for that in the least. I mean that whole him turning thing, I could've I could've handled that a lot better. And I know he was kinda of pushing like, hey, do something with my character if it you know, if he retains his memories he would be doing something.
0: I think there was a little bit of misunderstanding there too, because he only made one charisma check, but that was against the intimidation. Mm-hmm. And somehow that got turned into him failing his resistance check, which I think is where things got messed up so bad. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, too, I, I didn't see this in any of the stuff that I read with the lycanthrope, but me as a DM, I wouldn't take control of that as, a, as an NPC. I would allow that character to play that out themselves. Yeah, and I think next time that's probably what I'm going to do, because... He, he decided that he was
1: going to resist, so he keeps his his uh, alignment, from what I read, and yeah. his personality. And to me, if he keeps his personality, therefore he shouldn't turn into an NPC.
0: But he, he did say he was resisting, which you have to make a role for that. And that's where I think the confusion came from. Because he critical failed that mm-hmm. role against the intimidation with Harrow. And at that point, it would have been like, alright... You're right. This is the best thing to do is to time you up. Mm-hmm. And I, I I missed a lot of that. I think that was when I there had was to a go huge down and miscommunication
1: between like either I was trying to get him to tell me if he was going to fight the lycanthrope
0: or fight Haro. and I don't think I explained it to him correctly. Well, and and they were both trying to talk at the same time, and mm-hmm. that's you know even as another player like. I, I did step in there and go, Whoa, I think there's something that's yeah. being misunderstood here. This is what's trying to happen, is, you know, from the words that I'm hearing from everybody. And then it's still, like, just devolved into anarchy. Because, uh, I was, I was basically know,
1: just trying to figure out if I need to set a check for him getting tied up or if he's willingly, like, okay, you know, this is yeah, the Yeah, and time that's me when up. that
0: role happened, but still in there somewhere, it turned into him, fail, you know, not. You know, turning into a lycanthrope, and I was trying to give you guidance, tell you hey, the sun is setting now cast guidance on him so that way he can have a better opportunity with his check, with that charisma check, but that never actually happened and it, he just turned, and then you were standing there like, uh, and if we were going off the assumption that he failed that charisma check, critically failed that he wouldn't he would have just broken out of the ropes. I would have called an advantage on the strength check. He would have broken out. And... You know, there, then, and with the players, you know, not that it was... Um, caused a, an actual problem between the players and the characters. But there's a lot of argument about what to do. And there's also a lot of trying to push the story along. Yeah. And... You trying to do Mold Earth on him would have worked. Still a medium character, five feet of you know dirt holding you down. You're not getting out of that, even with, you know...
1: I really thought she was going to, so I was like, as soon as I break these ropes, when I hit that 14 check and I'm like, the ropes are toast, I thought, bam, she's gonna Mold Earth, and we can end this, and we're good, and we can move on. but.
0: Which we could have done the mold I said As soon
2: I said I was uh, preparing my action for when you yeah. broke the ropes.
0: But then you, I'd, like, I guess I, I wouldn't catch. have even done that. I would have just, I, I don't know why you did that. I would have just.
2: I don't, as somebody said something like I would have upset him
0: before he broke free or something. I who cares? Know, he's got all the way. This, I don't remember. On it, him. Was, it
2: became a clusterfuck. Yeah, yeah,
0: it got very out of control very quickly. And <laughs> we've cussed so many times. It's. I, I, I was. Noise.
1: I, I was really waiting for the, uh, the okay. I'm gonna mold earth. Yeah. I was like, and, Why
0: are you holding your action for that? Just do it. Yeah. And it was like it was like
1: come on, come on, save <laughs> me here. And then I was like, well, he's gonna run off and come back, confused in the morning, and I'll just I'll roll. Yeah. On that
0: and, uh, there was a lot of.
2: There was so much going on. Disruption there.
0: I, I
1: was trying to just end the whole scenario because I know Haro was freaking out about the whole scenario. He was he was so scared that everything I don't was think go anybody up.
0: really knew what to do because I was trying to play my characters I've never encountered this. What yeah. do I do? And those and and bringing the meta into it bringing the meta into it kind of disrupted and ruined things yeah. a little bit too, which you know, I don't it, it didn't ruin it, it just fogged it down and made it more complicated than it needed to be that just fell on one thing that nobody in the group was prepared for
1: nobody had given any thought to and we improved and it went wrong
0: yeah <laughs> it just it went south it's still an element of the story and we'll play with it as we do you know who knows maybe we can it, everything will work out just right all the time and we can you know he might keep it that'd be cool
1: yeah (laughs) I'll do some looking and some research, and and, I mean next time next time we go into that scenario we'll handle it differently but that's really it I think impressions overall
0: um so I've, I've made some other notes here while we were talking um So we, we kind of talked about the Roll20 challenges, the, the ability to take turns, and, you know, with the Wednesday game, keeping control of the game, you know, with people not seeing each other, that really, you know, and this is something for people who are listening to this who are thinking about getting into Roll20, you know, it's something to consider if you're going to be able to overcome as an individual, um, because it can get... Out of control very quickly if you're people who are not used to doing it or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely try to keep in mind that there are other people that you can't see and you don't know what they're trying to do. So give pause. There's a a very thin
1: line to walk between having a huge all-out battle over a rule that may not be so incredibly important versus a player controlling more of the story than they probably should.
2: Well, even in real-life games... The rules arguments should really... The DM should make a call, and then it should be discussed out of game. Just roll with it.
0: Yeah. Because arguing,
2: arguing over rules is really the biggest thing to bog a game down.
0: It's stupid, and it can not only bog a game down, but it can ruin it and turn it into a monopoly situation where... People get upset at each other and don't want to play anymore.
2: And someone's gonna flip the table.
0: Well, back on the whole Wednesday game thing, I think I think there was a big issue
1: between personalities between two of our players that they both were rules lawyers in their own aspect of things, and they were they were really one's arguing about rules a lot, and one's right, and one's really just thinks they're right, and it was (laughs) there was a lot of yeah, and it's one of those things where you gotta
0: consider that as a DM that. All right. You know what? I'm going to make the call. If you don't like it, that's fine. Make a note of it. We can talk about it later.
1: Now, first the first game when we brought him in, I kind of left it open on how they wanted to encounter and about 5 minutes into that, I'm like, this is probably a mistake. It's not going well. <laughs> there's yeah. there's
0: animosity growing instantly, and-, and that brings us to another challenge of roll 20 is, you know, playing with strangers. People are saying what they can to get into this game because it's an application. We, you know, do it in real life with Trying to get a job. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe with some more experience you can be able to figure out, you know, where people are wording properly to, or trying to word, overword things to get into the game and where they're being genuine. Well, that person I brought in
1: was a previous DM too, so he probably had his own set way of doing things and may not be so open to somebody else doing things that way. And, you know that can cause a lot of issues
0: I think we've digressed a lot in this and we're supposed to be doing this to help people figure out how to play the game properly or play the game better not properly play the game better um, so try to bring a little structure to this um what are the things do you think you know after talking about all this what are the things you think you could work on Matt
1: as far as VM I need to find that happy middle ground between over prep and not enough prep and I think I need to be a little more strict with some things and a little more loose with other things and I need to... a lot of it's going to come down to experience of just playing and knowing more about the game and the rules itself and how things work that will just make things better overall.
0: I know from the player perspective playing with you, um, you do a pretty good job overall. I said the storytelling elements become an important thing to me I think that's something you could work on a little bit. Um, for a little constructive criticism there. Oh,
2: is it criticize
0: Matt time? Yeah, criticize Matt time. Criticize corner. No, it's just, and that's something that'll come with the game as you start to understand the rules a little bit better and you know a little bit more. You can put a little bit of that aside. You'll have more mental space, uh, mental RAM, if you will, to be able to think about those things and and bring that in. Like um, last night playing... Tomb of Annihilation. If I were sitting there trying to watch this game to be entertained or listen to it, as even as background noise, I'd be like, What the hell is this? It's just it was alright, you guys don't have a random encounter next day. You don't have a random encounter next yeah. day. Um, there there's an opportunity there to describe scenery, hey you're passing along. And and you know, I kinda I think we kinda forced that a little bit into in, into the game a little bit with as we're passing along, what do we see? Yeah, so yeah, I was trying to leave that open to you guys a lot too, as well as not get
1: too bogged down with taking forever because I knew it was going to be a long journey from where we were
0: going to where we needed to be, and and it was a bit out of place. I think that was a point where I realized that we needed a little bit more entertainment here. Um, but if you're describing all these exotic plants that you've never seen and blah blah blah, and then. You know, alright, you're passing along this area, you see a little bit of a clearing, and there's, um...
2: Even just a little thing, like as you step out of the boat to make uh, camp, you uh, get the impression you're getting closer to the swamp as your feet sink ankle deep in the silt.
0: Yeah, and like I said, this is something that I think will come along with time, and...
2: Oh, yeah, it's easy for us to say, we weren't running it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Because I know it is
2: much harder when you're DMing.
1: In the moment, it's a whole different story. It, and, yes. and there's only so much information that they give you right there. In And I know Wizards does that for a reason. They want you to be able to add your own stuff in yeah. the moment. And I mean,
0: even with my game that I ran last weekend, the, um, what the hell was it? Xander's Lost Orb out of the dungeon crate. Um, I don't know if you noticed it, but I, I tried to bring a lot of storytelling elements. I mean, I could have done better... I I focus a lot on the combat storytelling elements right now, because that's the easiest place for me to do it. But I could have done better, you know, alright this is what it says here. There's red and blue tapestries on the walls, some of them are torn up and shredded on the ground where somebody has obviously come through and...
2: Yeah, even starting out just, you know, every once in a while just, you know, one at least really good detail every once in a while. Will help a little bit. It's better than nothing. Yeah. Because yeah, it is hard to get to the storytelling level of like Mercer.
0: Yeah. Because, and I don't, I, I didn't notice either of you guys getting upset about it. I did think about it when I was running my game that you guys would describe your, or say what you were doing, and then I would turn around and describe that. Which, you know, it is one of the things that I do really enjoy, is describing battle combat. or <laughs> the thing battle I have trouble with. Yeah, it's something I
1: need to get better at too. I really liked how you were whenever somebody would get a kill, I'd be like, "All right, how are you gonna kill this guy? How's it gonna go down?" And I, I, at first, I was expecting that, and I'm like, Ooh, "I'm gonna
0: do this to this guy. That's gonna be awesome." Yeah, no, that's I something we picked up. I just go, I, just go
2: "I don't know, whatever you want."
0: I, and that's something we picked up from Matt Mercer. Is yeah. you know, how do
2: you want
0: to do this? How do you want to do it? And those are his exact words. We're kind of stealing yes. it from him, but, um, and I kind of the first two or three. I, I forgot about that, but I described how you epically killed this bad guy. Yeah. And then later on, I remembered, oh yeah, how do you want to do this? This is your action. You should have control over what... And I think that's a fantastic way to do it, because it really
1: keeps your player engaged and not just sitting there going,
0: okay, tell me what I did, you know? Yeah.
2: No, you can always just tell me what I did. Depends on the player.
0: Yeah, talking more about the storytelling elements... Uh... So I think going back to the dinosaur race, there's a, a really good opportunity for a story telling up, um, for Sorry a really good, story, for really good story, for really good storytelling. And I think it was might have been established that um, Perro and Flinrick and Lonnie were the only ones in the race, but um, with a little bit better prep, maybe or even hey, there's this random person who entered the race and he runs up alongside Lonnie and hits her dinosaur or whatever to try to slow her down and rather than just, hey, you guys can beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that
1: definitely falls under lack of prep. Yeah. Like I, I didn't even prep, give but... dinosaur racing a thought until about ten minutes before we were in it. <laughs> And that was, that was a big issue.
0: And I, I just want to bring this up as, uh, you know, to continue on with the storytelling aspect of it. Um, from a player perspective, I think it might be a little bit more interesting to declare your what you're doing and roll and see what it rolls. So that way you're not making this grand speech to try to persuade somebody. And then you roll a one and they're like, you know you make this very actually very persuasive speech they roll and then you roll a one and they're like yeah no i don't give a shit you know that that can kind of ruin it a little bit that's something that i just thought of as we were talking Mm -hmm. there you know and it was relevant to the storytelling aspect of the game well one thing about something like this and life
1: you're never going to not learn. You could be a DM for 40 years and encounter everything you possibly think of. Something's going to come eventually. I mean, there's always room to learn. But luckily, so far as a DM, I've had pretty understanding players that you know are, are just trying to have a good time and not causing a
0: big stink about things I and mean, trying to learn. Yeah, and um, for my perspective on that is this was part of that doing this podcast and talking about it so obviously i have to be a, a lot more open-minded about it and um you know keep that there that all right you're a new dm but you know again you're my friend too so that plays into it well either way nobody's you're not gonna,
2: my friend though so nobody's gonna <laughs> walk
0: into it and be the next matt mercer
1: even he, he had a lot of time in and a lot of practice matt, well, to matt, get to the point he's at well half, your name's
2: matt so you're like halfway there halfway there yeah
0: how many times are you sitting there watching Critical Roll in where you're like, "What the hell are you doing? That is not how that goes." Yeah, there's there's yes. no perfect ever that's gonna come up. No, I mean, and especially for those people who've been playing for so long, who, you know, Matt Coville, um, on his YouTube channel, he always iterates the fact that see, it's all about the Matt. I have been playing.
2: I've mentioned that already, you're late
0: to the game. I have been playing since second edition Dungeons and Dragons. Like when it first printed, I went out with my friend or my brother got a copy or whoever, brought him into the game. And he's been DMing since then too. And so he has all of these rules and sometimes you get them mixed up, especially if you've been playing that long. Yeah. Friend of mine was just telling me the other night, the game that he
1: plays every Wednesday and Sunday There's eleven people, eleven players, and one DM in that game, and this guy has been DMing for you know huge amount of time. He's probably set in his ways, and if he can handle eleven people, that's you know it's quite a feat. But I'm sure things go wrong
2: constantly. They have to. Well, I couldn't imagine doing like (laughs) in live with eleven people. Yeah, is even pushing it. Yeah, but on roll twenty, I couldn't imagine. Yeah, no. It gets, it's, it gets crazy with you know the five of us.
1: <laughs> Eleven people, everybody trying to make an action and talk all at once. Just
0: yeah. Um, I had a point, but I lost it. All
2: right, let's wrap it up then.
0: I think this is a good place to wrap it up. Food, food, food should <laughs> be on the docket. <laughs> and we have some Star Wars to play. Yes, that is always important.
2: <sighs> I feel like the children are getting louder.
0: Yeah, I feel like they. have It's like our official
2: sign-off music, the noise level of the children.
0: (laughs) Alright, so I think we said some things today.
2: Words were definitely said.
0: Alright, bring it back another time. Peace, love, and tater tots.
2: Live to roll.